spanning the Valley of the Sun and all across the 48th state. This is the Gatos and Chad Show. Happy, happy Wednesday to everybody out there. Steve Zinsmeister and Bruce St. James in for Gatos and Chad today, keeping a very, very close eye on the Cary Lake trial, the hearing that's going on, trying to convince the judge that there was election fraud and intentional messing with printers and the works, basically trying to prove the election was stolen from her. Correct. She is uh, contesting the election, for lack of better terms, getting her day in court. Um, uh, and there's been t- started at 9 a.m. today and uh, they just, just reconvened. <laughs> but here's the thing, uh, Bruce, neither you nor I are an attorney, so I figure for legal analysis. My brother, my brother is. is that oh, cool? no, that doesn't help. No, Not really. Okay. Um, so we're going to use our one phone call to call a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> so here he is, Barry Marks and KTR host and Valley yes. attorney. Uh, Barry, uh, God bless you for following a story like this. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, it's it's it is interesting. I have to tell you, I, I'm it, it's such a colossal waste of time and effort, but it, but it is very compelling uh, courtroom time for an attorney who likes uh, who likes that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so walk us through <laughs> what are some of the the big takeaways so far? They've yeah. they've been at this for hours. Yeah. So, and first of all, this is a it's a it's a two day trial, so to speak. The mm-hmm. judge uh, allocated prior to the uh, the trial five and a half hours each side. So each side gets a total of five and a half hours speaking time, which includes opening statement, closing arguments, direct examination, cross examination, whatever they're doing. If the if the lawyer's speaking, that side accounts against their time. So, um, my guess is the plaintiffs, uh, Kerry Lake's attorneys, will pretty much use their time up today, and then tomorrow we'll see what the defendants do. Um, the, you know, this is very tough. Uh, eight, uh, eight out of the ten claims Carrie Lake brought have already been dismissed. They were thrown out of court. The two that are, remain uh, are dealing with uh, a chain of custody with mail-in ballots and then the printer issues that we dealt with. Mm-hmm. And this, the standard she has to get to is she has to prove that the county intentionally did wrongdoing, did things wrong to harm her election chances. And if they're somehow able to prove that intentionality, they then have to prove that whatever the county did actually changed the outcome of the the election. Uh, it's a basically impossible uh, task. I don't know how she's going to be able to do it. And it's not the judge setting that standard. That's the law. That's Arizona law. So what we've seen so far today is uh, this morning, Stephen Risher, the county recorder, Scott Jarrett, the county election director, they testified. Uh, they did not give Carrie Lake what, what she needed. Uh, I think there's some hope, I guess, that they were going to come in and just admit to everything. That's it. Uh, admit- we did it. It was a yeah. big conspiracy. That didn't happen. <laughs> No, believe it or not, that didn't happen. I I, I will tell you, Bruce, this is it's an interesting thing from a court perspective, but we've all seen all these conspiracy theories, the election conspiracy theories over the last couple of years. This is this is a a conspiracy theory in court is fantastic because you can't just keep saying things that aren't true. There's facts and evidence and data. That's what the court wants to hear. And it's pretty easy to undercut a conspiracy theory with with reality, with data and facts. Um, and that's exactly what Risher did. That's exactly what Jarrett did. These guys know their job. They know this stuff backwards and forwards. And they, they their answers were not making Carrie Lake's attorneys happy uh, because they were honest and truthful. And they just they just debunked the conspiracy theories right there in open court. We're talking to uh, KTAR's Barry Markson, for goodness sakes, paying attention to the Carrie Lake election contest trial that is l- literally going on as we speak. You know, you made an interesting point there, and, and you being the attorney maybe can help me understand this. You know, um, Carrie Lake, maybe not just specifically, but, you know, she's made a variety of claims about this election. Her lawyers can't say that stuff in court because a, a lawyer can't, like, knowingly lie in court, right? 
Right. They can't knowingly lie in court, but what they can do is ask questions. So, for example, um, you know, they ask one of the conspiracy theories is that uh, Stephen Risher is is so against Carrie Lake that he he uh, started a pack against her and has spoken out against her prior to the election. So how on earth could he fairly run the election? Okay. Well, that's not true. He, he didn't do either one of those things. So her lawyer asked him those questions. Didn't you do this and this? And he answered, absolutely not. Because that's the truth. <laughs> he didn't do it. So it undercuts the conspiracy theory. So the lawyer's not going to say something that's untrue, but they're allowed to ask questions uh, trying to prove the conspiracy theory, and they can't do it. Along with all those questions, though, have they brought anything that you would consider evidence, whether it's good or bad evidence? We could argue that all day. But, I, yeah. I, I mean, this is your one opportunity. Part of the reason I liked that the judge allowed this to go to trial, at least two of the ten counts, was that we were going to see what they got. Yeah. The, the evidence. What did right. you bring to the courtroom? Well, and, and and along those, can I just follow up with that, yeah. Steve? The evidence has to come up with, what, 17,000 votes, right? Or none of this matters. Right. No, that's exactly right. Over 17,000 votes. Because they have to show, in Arizona law, you have to show that the outcome would be changed. You can't, okay. just, you can't just go through this process unless you can show that the outcome would have changed. So uh, what they're doing now, late morning and now in the afternoon, is they're, the, the plan, uh, Carrie Lake is putting on her, uh, and I'm putting up my quote fingers, her expert witnesses. The first expert is literally a guy that when Mike Lindale, the pillow guy, did his moment of truth uh, summit, uh, where he was supposed to show all this data that was going to prove uh, yeah. that the, the 2020 election was stolen. This was the main guy showing that evidence, which of course never actually happened. Right. That's her expert, uh, which was, as soon as I learned that, I, I almost started laughing out loud. Uh, and they established in court today that he's being paid $250 an hour uh, for travel time and for this testimony. And he's being paid by Mike Lindell. Not oh. by not by Kerry Lake. Oh, good. So Mike Lindell is paying to keep to keep this uh, going, um, which is interesting. The, the judge is doing, I think, a very nice job. There, there were motions to exclude these experts because they're the, the objection is they're not really experts uh, pursuant to how the law works. And the judge is saying, "Look, I'm going to reserve the right on all of these motions. I want to hear everything. I'll decide because the judge decides. It's not a jury. Yeah. I will decide how much weight to give each witness or expert. I will decide later based on their testimony whether or not they have the expertise to do this. But the fact is, Kerry. Lake is being given every opportunity to get all of her evidence in in front of the judge, and then we'll see what happens. Um, I don't, I don't see how the ex, the experts that she's presenting are really providing enough to get the judge to where he needs to be for Carrie Lake to prevail. I don't see it at all. Uh, but she's getting to present all of the evidence that she has. That's for sure. Barry, very quickly before we let you go, today is day one of a two day trial. What do we expect in day two tomorrow? Well, again, each side gets five and a half hours. I think the plaintiff, I think Kerry Lake's attorneys are, are going to use theirs up today. So tomorrow, I would expect um, you might see uh, the Maricopa County may call Scott Jarrett, the election director, to do uh, a little more background on how this works, uh, to go through uh, and to try to debunk some of these conspiracy theory claims that Kerry Lake is bringing. Um, I don't know if they're going to have any expert testimony or other testimony to, to back up what they're doing, um, but my guess is they will poke holes in these conspiracy theories as much as they think they need to. And then they'll rest and they'll do closing arguments. I, I doubt very much that the, the defendants are going to use their five and a half hours. Well, I was going to say, if you were the attorney in this, I mean, is this one of these like uh, dramatic courtroom things where, uh, all right, uh, defense, and you stand up and go, yeah, we got nothing. We, we're good. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> uh, we think they did a bang up job, judge. Uh, we we yeah. wish them best of luck. 
I think you're seeing some of that already uh, with, with one of these experts. Um, they did uh, the first expert, uh, the Maricopa County attorney, Tom Liddy, did some cross-examination, which was very effective and really poked holes in that expert's case quite a bit. By the way, the expert became inc- incredibly agitated. Oh. He really lost a lot of credibility. Um, and then the other defense attorneys who were going to cross-examine him basically said, We've, we don't have anything to add. And yeah. that's the best thing you can do. When, when you're winning, sit down. Yeah, yeah. And know when to shut up. God, I wish <laughs> exactly I knew that. Right. Yeah. All right, yeah. Barry Markson, <laughs> KTR host in Valley Attorney. Thanks so much for sharing your insights and being our one phone call. All right, guys. And hey, you can follow me. I'm putting this stuff on Twitter at Barry Markson One. You get all the updates right there. At Barry Markson One. We will do that. All right, Barry. Thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. See you later. All right. That's Barry Markson, our attorney. And he, uh, our attorney. We, we have one God phone knows call. We need one. We're calling the lawyer. <laughs> oh, God bless him for following a story like that. Yeah. Uh, Lord knows I can't watch all that. Well, I, I admit that I maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't understand it all, too, because, you know, they are getting into the legalese. There's objections and back and forth and evidentiary things. And uh, you I know. hope tomorrow's really simple, like you said. It's just the defense gets up and goes, go ahead. Uh, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. It's over. Uh, if you think they proved anything, they uh, talk okay. themselves in circles. We don't need because to again, defend ourselves. The fundamental thing, and this is what's being lost, regardless of all the crazy stuff, and, and Lake is tweeting right now, of course, craziness. Um, you have to find 17,000 votes. Yeah. And if you don't, none of this matters. It's not happening. Yeah. It's not happening. Coming up next, Title 42 is still up in the air. Do people in Arizona realize what that actually means for Ooh. our state? I wanted to know what people know, and I put up a poll. So we'll tell you what it says coming up next. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. All right, Steve Zinsmeister and Bruce St. James in for the guys today on the Gatos and Chad Show. Uh, It's the Gatos Big Q Poll Question. If you go to KTAR.com, it's right there on the right-hand side of the screen. Uh, I asked this question because, Bruce, you and I have talked a lot about Title 42. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the policy that allows the country to remove migrants uh, and send them back to their home countries because of COVID, Mm -hmm. specifically. The courts say you got to get rid of it because COVID's no longer as big of a deal. And Joe Biden says, yeah, 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 we'll do that. But uh, can we do it after Christmas? Uh, Literally. Yeah. Can we do it after Christmas? So I was wondering, because you and I talk about Title 42 all the time, and we, we, we talk about it a lot on the show. Does it just go in one ear and out the other? Do people know what it is? Does it mean anything to people? So here's the Gators Big Q poll question. It's I'm brought ready. to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Do you know what Title 42 does specifically? Mm. Yes or no? Uh, let's see. I know, so I'm just going to yes. And currently, but don't you right think, now, but, but hold on. Okay, this poll doesn't work for me. Why? If you think you know what it does and you're wrong, you you're still are going to say yes. Oh yeah. Is there a better way I should have worded it? No. <laughs> there's no. Uh, there's no. I mean, this is a poll on a website. It's not scientific. By well, means. says you. Uh, says me, the guy who wrote the poll. Uh, currently running at fifty-eight percent. Say yes. Forty-two. No. So I mean, I would say of the fifty-eight percent, I'm going to go with fifteen to twenty. Don't, it doesn't. It doesn't mean what you they think know. it means. They don't know. Do you, but I'm being serious. Yeah, probably because it is a little complicated. Uh, it is. And you do have to pay attention to understand it. And even if you know the purpose of Title 42, you might not know the reason why it came into being. You you sprung something on me yesterday that I didn't even know that much it about. It's been used in the past? It's been used decades ago yeah. for other diseases. Yeah. Which makes sense to me. I just didn't realize that that had happened. Yeah. So, anyway, I just wanted to know what people actually thought about Title 42. Like, do you actually know what it does? Or does, like you said, do we just say the words Title 42 and it's like, I think I know what that is, but I'm not really sure. So, 58% of people say they do know. Well, are we going to explain it? In what way? 
So what is Title 42? Well, we just kind of talked about 40% it, 40% right? don't know what it is. Okay, so to go over it again, uh, back in 2019, I think it would have been. Mm-hmm. Or no, I guess COVID 2020. Yeah, let's go with 2020. 2020, bro. We all acknowledge that 2020 was the year of suck. Uh, correct, yes. So this was a Trump-era policy. Mm-hmm. That the administration put out, basically the concept is if you cross the border, the southern border, we can send you back to your country of origin, not just to Mexico. Mm -hmm. That was the remain in Mexico policy. Uh, But we could send you back to Venezuela or Honduras or Guatemala, Pakistan, wherever. Yeah. Georgia. Immediately. I I read Georgia is a big company where people are uh, a big country where people are coming from now. Didn't know that. Um, We can send you back on a plane or however they do it. We can do it whenever we want because you might have COVID. Not because you have COVID, but because we don't want COVID coming into the country. That was why it it started. And it circumvents the asylum asylum process, process, which is a legal process, by the way, international and U.S. law. And it prevented people from starting the process of applying for asylum where they were repatriated or kicked out before they could even make the claim. Because of COVID. Yeah. And like we said earlier, too, the courts now say you got to get rid of it because COVID's not as big of a deal. And I, I think everybody's pretty much on the same page about that, whether it's the right or the left. I mean, even the Biden administration came out just yesterday uh, and said, yeah, well, we're cool with getting rid of it. But just can we not do it? Uh, what was essentially last night at midnight was, it was, when supposed, it was supposed to go to into expire. effect. Yeah. Uh, and Biden said, can we just do it next week? I mean, we got Christmas we need another coming up week this to weekend. Get ready. And, and the Biden administration, these are I, I've not heard what they are in their Supreme Court filing, said we have other policies and procedures that are going to go into effect that will help this process. But they they haven't told us what they are. No. And most of it is usually uh, we're going to rush more. uh resources to the border. We're going to send money to local municipalities to help out. We're going to uh, send more, whether it's the National Guard or Border Patrol agents, we're going to send people and resources and food and clothing. But the thing is, and we talked about this with the mayor of Yuma, Doug Nichols, yesterday, too. Yeah, a that was bit, a really good point. Is, is it the job of the federal government to support the local communities on the border, or is it the local communities on the border who should be helping the federal government handle a federal issue? It's like, which conundrum. way does it go? Because right now, the well, federal government the is acting as clause. the support. Yeah, and which is not. The Supremacy Clause says federal law trumps state law. And that's why we got into that whole SB 1070 and, you know, back in the day where the state of Arizona found out, which anybody who understood the Constitution knew, the state of Arizona can't create a law that supersedes federal law. Which immigration is? A federal issue. Federal issue. It happens to impact us more than Nebraska, but it doesn't stop the fact that it's still a federal issue. Yeah, I think people are especially at the border are and we feel it the impact a little bit here, too, but certainly not the way that a small city like Yuma would. We talked to the mayor yesterday and he said that there's eleven hundred people coming across per day. Yep. And as of recently this week, they're expecting uh, Border Patrol agents to release 50 plus migrants per day onto the streets of Yuma. It's not yeah. a big town. And Title 42, by the way, it, it, it came out in 1944. That's when it was. Long time ago. It's se- certainly seen a couple different diseases since then. That's for sure. <laughs> say the least. Coming up next, we call it Holding Up the Headlines. Becky Lynn is going to read the news, and Bruce and I are going to interrupt and react to the day's top stories. That's next on the Gatos and Chad Show.
Arizona's news station. News station. KTAR. On air. 92.3 FM. Online at KTAR.com. And streaming live on the KTAR News app. Your breaking news and traffic. Now. Every day at 3.30. We call it holding up the headlines. Becky Lynn's going to read the news. Bruce St. James, Steve Zinsmeister here to interrupt and react to the day's top stories. Here she is. It's Becky Lynn. You're going to be flying during the holidays. There are some ways that Sky Harbor is making your travel a little less hectic. Eric Everts with the airport says they've got a display board that shows checkpoint wait time so you can choose the shortest line. And he adds you can save time by using the SkyTrain. If you're picking up or dropping off passengers, we recommend utilizing those SkyTrain stations. So uh, the 44th Street station is a great place to pick them up or drop them off. And he suggests you arrive at least two hours early for domestic flights. Flights and three hours early for international ones. Holding up the headlines. Becky Lynn reads the news while Gatos and Chad interrupt and react to the day's top stories. All right, Mr. Executive. That means he doesn't agree with <laughs> Two hours early for a flight? You don't do that? No! Mr. Executive Platinum? Yeah, but I also, I've got clear and you show pre-check. show like 15 minutes ahead of the flight or Yeah, what? I can get from the curb to the gate in 10 minutes. I suppose if you do the clear thing, that that, that certainly helps. Yeah, they, I do, they, they do the retina scan. They look at your eyeball and you beep, go right on through. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I usually, I'm the guy who shows up super early. I'll be there usually an hour and a half early. What do you do at the airport? Uh, I don't know. If there's a Cinnabon around, I'll definitely <laughs> hit that up. <laughs> I forgot about your love of Cinnabons, and they're in every airport. They're all over the place, man. You just go for the Cinnabon. You know how many Cinnabons I've eaten? I take the flight for the Cinnabon. Oh, my goodness. We're holding up the headlines. Precision aerial munitions being sent by the U.S. Department of Defense to Ukraine to help that country defend itself against Russia's special military operation. Among the latest weapons being sent, Patriot Air and Missile Defense Systems, which are capable of bringing down cruise missiles, short-range ballistic missiles, and aircraft at a significantly higher ceiling than previously provided air defense systems. ABC's Louis Martinez reports from the Pentagon. The Ukrainians call this a game changer. They've been waiting for this for months since the start of the war back in February. They have wanted the most sophisticated air defense system that the United States has, and these are the patriots. While this war rages on between Ukraine and Russia, Ukrainian President Zelensky is in the U.S., and he and President Biden have held a joint press conference at the White House, and he will be addressing Congress tonight. You know, it's a pretty big deal when Zelensky leaves Ukraine. I don't think he's really done that much at all. No, no, no. This is the first time he's left Ukraine in 300 days since the war started. Yeah, so you know it's dire. You know he's in a desperate situation. And Becky Lynn and I were talking about it earlier. You pointed out to me that Zelensky's wearing uh, basically a... He's wearing a sweatshirt. sweatshirt. He's, wearing, he's wearing an olive, olive drab, like, military Yeah, like he's on the sweatshirt. front lines. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, of course, Biden's dressed in a full suit. He's got his suit and tie and everything. Yeah, but he's Zelensky a war looks, president. looks like, if you need me to dig a ditch, I can do that right now. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. There's a reason he was Time Magazine's person of the year. The guy literally is on the front lines all the time. Yeah. All and we're going to give them Patriot missiles now. Uh, my question is, does that escalate the uh, conflict or does it help? There's always a line to walk to as the United States. Like, do we take on every country's problems as our own? Uh, and then the other side of the coin is, hey, we stand up for democracy and the democratic process and against tyranny. And how many Russian planes do you have to shoot down before Russia gets pissed? Uh, oh, they're already. <laughs> they've already yeah. said, if you give them this, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You better be watching. So, yeah, we're going to 
We're holding up the headlines. Failed gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake is in court with hopes of changing the midterm election results. One legal expert, though, says she is facing an uphill battle. KTAR's Luke Forstner is live in the News Center with a story. Obeki KTAR host and Valley attorney Barry Markson says the burden of proof is on Lake and her legal team. She has to prove that Maricopa County intended to change the election results against Carrie Lake and that what they did, the steps they took intentionally, if proven, actually did change the outcome of the election. And he adds Lake's attorneys didn't get admissions of wrongdoing from either Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richer or elections director Scott Jarrett, which they needed. Markson expects a decision by Friday or early next week. Live in the News Center, Luke Forstner, KTAR News. This is going exactly like the Cyber Ninja audit did at the end of it. Remember, they asked a lot of questions, but mm-hmm. didn't really bring a lot of evidence. No. It's the same thing. I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised today that there wasn't some sort of evidence like subs- really not something substantial that would have proven anything. But you come to your trial, you finally get the opportunity to prove your accusations. Yeah. And you basically bring nothing. All they've done today is put people on the stand, election officials, and say, hey, did you rig the election? And they're like, no. And you're like, uh, no. damn, we didn't get them with that one. Oh, we thought we were going to sneak that one by them. Listen, all of the accusations are not based in any fact. They're based in feelings and vibes. And you know, we wish something... This is going exactly how people who have paid attention thought it was going to go. There are no facts. There is no evidence being presented. And... Carrie Lake is not going to be governor of Arizona. We're holding up the headlines. Arizona's immigration crisis. It is now up to the Supreme Court if the COVID-era border security policy, Title 42, gets extended. Arizona Senator Mark Kelly on the Senate floor yesterday says lifting it now is only going to make the challenges worse. Record numbers of border crossings are straining law enforcement, and it's straining humanitarian organizations. And this is unsustainable. Kelly says it's long past time for Democrats and Republicans to work together and reform our broken immigration system. You know what? He's right. It will get worse if we get rid of Title 42. But do we need worse right now in order to inspire some sort of motivation for Congress to actually do something long term to replace it? Well, we talk about bipartisan also. I think the worry in that is uh, for the for the basic concept both sides have very different ideas of what a solution looks like. So bipartisan support is a little harder to find because you have to find the people in the middle that will agree to doable things. I just think the longer Title 42 stays around in, it, in its current mm-hmm. form, the longer we delay ripping off the Band-Aid, there's zero incentive for them to get anything done because it's still in place. And we can just continue to ask the Supreme Court, hey, just leave it in place until after Christmas. Leave it. You know what? We're, we're only five days away from the new year. Let's leave it in for five more we days. We need true immigration reform in some way, shape or form. And uh, both parties have shown an unwillingness to do anything because... It's really good to campaign on. We're holding up the headlines. It's a roller coaster stock market these days. Some investors are looking for other places to put their money, and some are choosing gold. Others have picked cryptocurrency, some wish they hadn't, and some buy Legos. Yes, those Legos. Build hotels, animals, people, boats. Sales of the little plastic blocks surged 17% in the first half of this year, driven largely by sets based on Star Wars and Harry Potter. One study of 2,000 unopened boxes 
found the resale value rising by 11% annually. That's a better return than gold. Market research company NPD Group finds that a quarter of all toy sales, about $9 billion a year, are purchases made by adults, not for kids, but for themselves. Jim Ryan, ABC News. Man, I think I got a box of those somewhere in a closet. Maybe I can get some good money for that. I've got a lot of boxes of Legos. I didn't know I was sitting on a gold mine. I've got this great intention that I'm going to sit down and you know, I get this 8,000-piece Titanic I'm going to be. And I just never quite get around to opening them up. i got a bunch of those unopened I'll boxes. I'll bet that they go for a lot more now. If you've got an unopened one. I have a lot of them. Then you should you should try to value those. You might be sitting on a small fortune, Bruce. Bingo. <laughs> I like my Legos. Would have thought. You just like to look at the unopened boxes. That's all liking Legos. I have good intentions. It's kind of like buying a book you're going to read someday. Yeah. Yeah, man. You could be sitting on some cash right there. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought? Interesting. All right. Thank you, Becky Lynn. That's holding up the headlines where Becky Lynn reads the news and then we... Bruce St. James and Steve Zinsmeister react to the day's top stories. Um, interesting Lego story. I'm very interested in investing in Legos. That's my new policy. Uh, hey, if you're heading south across the border, maybe for the holidays or Ooh, coming up, warm. you got a trip next year or something, maybe don't pack your firearm. Oops. We'll tell you why. Next. Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. The Gatos and Chad Show, 2 till 6. And this portion of the program is brought to you by Parker & Sons Plumbing and Electrical, the two-time winner of the Better Business Bureau's Ethics Award. Steve Zinsmeister and Bruce St. James in for Gatos and Chad today. Bruce, I was reading about this earlier. It's a it's an issue that's popping up more and more as people go south of the border. This is mm-hmm. people leaving the U.S. Right. to go to Mexico. Maybe. Vacation. Rocky Point. Visit, yeah. That okay. kind of thing. Hey, it's kind of popular this time of year because it's relatively warm. Certainly. Be- okay, got it. Here's a concept. Ready. Leave your gun at home. Yeah, you would think people would know that. So more and more we're seeing this, that... American citizens are being held in Mexico. Sometimes it's 48 hours. Sometimes it's upwards of seven months that you're imprisoned in another country because you intentionally or unintentionally have a gun in your car. You may laugh to hear this. me say this out loud. Mexico has very strict gun laws. Very strict. It's hard to even get a gun in Mexico if you're a citizen. Unless you're a narco-traficante or a drug lord or whatever. But yeah, but they have very strict gun laws. And you, as an American, can't bring a gun, gun across the border. And while I certainly have sympathy for the families that get divided over this, I mean, I'm reading from a 12 well, News what, article. This one guy, right? This particular family was separated for seven months. The guy finally gets out of jail, but he has to go back and like be in the court once a month for the next year and a half. That's part of the sentence, but part of the release, I should say, from prison. Good grief. I mean, it certainly weighs on you, but the severity of the crime is different in Mexico than it is in the U.S. And I'll draw a parallel. Please. We just went through the whole situation with Brittany Griner. Yeah. Certainly not the same to be carrying hash oil versus a gun, but here's the parallel. We don't make the laws in other countries. You know, I I, I realize it was maybe an unpopular thing to say when Brittany Griner was originally uh, captured, apprehended, I guess. But... I, I was here, I was on KTR, and, and I said, is she disputing that she brought the vape pen hash oil into the country? I don't think she ever did. I What I saw from her attorneys are she admitted that she did. It's legal in the United States and that she didn't realize she brought it. And, I, and my only thing was, 
Um, ignorance of the law is no excuse. I mean, where do you draw that line? And all my thing was, is she being treated any different from anybody else who brings drugs into into Russia? Just like, are we treating people any different than bring drugs in the United States? And you can say all day long, you know, in, in Griner's case in particular, do you deserve to go to a Russian prison for nine years or whatever she was sentenced to? I don't know what Russian drug law is. I don't either. We can both say uh, certainly in America, that's yeah. not an even punishment for the crime. It, it in Ruski world, that might be, you we know. We don't make the laws in other countries. So the course. When I read this story, I mean, certainly I feel for the families being divided over this. And it was probably an accident in a lot of these cases. You know, you're driving down, you're in your car that sure. you're always in you're in America. Over, yeah. You go down to Rocky Point, which is increasingly more and more in an Americanized city. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically I've never been. an extension of America, it feels like. I've, I've been. I've never been to Rocky Point. Um, it's just not like the rest of Mexico. See, because, you know, I grew up in Tucson, and Nogales is not that far away. So we would go down to Nogales from time to time. But I was never under any illusion that I was going into a foreign country and that the laws and rights I had in the United States were not applicable on the other side of that fence. Out the window. And I wonder, are we getting too comfortable with it? But, you know, you say, you talk about, you know, I forgot I had maybe the gun in the car. Okay. It's under the seat. It's in the glove box. Did you see the numbers of, of the uh, the TSA says at catching people with guns in their luggage? Oh, they hit record numbers. Record numbers, right? Un- unintentionally. Because, by the way, zero of those people were even charged with terrorism. So none of them were terrorists trying to bring guns. It was... Jim Bob, who just left the, the gun in his backpack. I Let these both of these stories, whether it's Griner or the number of people getting caught in Mexico, let this be a lesson to everybody. Just know what's in your bag. Know what's in your vehicle. You, you can't drive across the Arizona-California border with a gun legally. I think a lot of people probably don't know that. Just letting you know. Coming up next, the president of Ukraine left his country for the first time since the war started. Why is he here and what does he want? I think he might have just got it. That's next on the Gators and Chad Show. (laughs) 